Hello, everybody. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. How are we all? Have you taken a seat? Have you poured a cup of tea? Have you done any of the things you need to do? We have got such a special episode for you today because I'm not sitting here alone. I'm sitting next to the incredible Alice Oseman on Zoom, I should say. Hello, Alice. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Alice is, for anyone who's been living under a big straight rock, <laughs> uh, is the brains behind the graphic novel series Heartstopper and many other gorgeous books that I have devoured and has recently just released volume five of the series. And it's literally pointless me making that intro because I dread to think what your inbox is like, Alice, but all I get in my inbox is things about Heartstopper. But Alice, you know, Heartstopper was also turned into a massive Netflix show, which Alice wrote and exec produces and does everything down to every corner of, you know, the nail polish. It is Alice's show, along with an incredible team of people. But the third series is now in production with my wonderful friend Pat Walter and many other incredible people. And we'll get into that because... It's like a locked box, isn't it? There's no, nothing can be said. Yes. You've been well briefed. <laughs> Before we get into all of that, it's LGBTQ plus history month. And we released our special with the amazing Lisa Power. Lisa is the co-founder of Stonewall and was a key figure in queer activism. During the whole of Section 28, she was integral to getting it repealed. Amazing conversation about how no matter what your They just need to stop for 10 seconds while yeah. I just catch up. Let's just have a quick look at messages before we get into it. Trish has said she's traveling from Dublin to come and see our live show. The Like-Minded Homos is the name of our live show because we're doing it with like-minded friends, Tom Allen, Susie Ruffle. Trish says, my fabulous son lives there and we're going together. Really looking forward to it. Adore the pod. Trish, you got to come and say hi. It's, a, it's an IRL meeting that's why we're doing a live show so everyone can actually hang out do you do like surely there's probably alice con now <laughs> do you do irl events i went to five different independent bookshops around the uk and signed some books met some readers what's that like it's really fun it's it's so nice to meet people in real life not just on mm. the internet meet all different kinds of people hear what they think of the book sign the books it's really really good fun congratulations on volume five how do you feel yeah it's amazing so exciting mm. i'm so proud of it and yeah mm. really happy 
it's been out in the world for a while now. So I imagine you you get to feel the temperature of the reaction or do you just try and avoid that? You've got such a close relationship with your fans. How do you work that now? I think I'm a bit more distant than I used to be. It's it's really difficult to maintain that connection with readers once the readership is so big. Um, mm. But I'm still on social media and I'm still seeing all the reactions. And yeah, it's been really positive. Oh, it's been incredible. And it is so brilliant. So congratulations. I loved every moment of it. And I think you just have this, I don't know, this way of kind of transporting you somewhere else it's just so beautiful and poignant and important i think to be quite honest it provokes such a fierce reaction heartstopper i think it's so incredible one thing that's going to bring up with you because i know you've slightly spoken about it before what people bring up is how positive it is mm. you know like how lovely to just see a queer love story and there's there's no unhappy ending that we're well versed in or we've been given and have been forced to be used to that but one of the things you remarked on which i thought was fascinating is that that's almost kind of confused you that people Mm. comment on the positivity because actually there's so many other darker things at play tell me more about that because it's so interesting i didn't really set out for heartstopper to be this kind of pure happy like 100 percent positive story that i think a lot of people see it as I have always been concerned with writing about real issues and writing about the darker stuff, not just in Heartstopper, but throughout all of my works. And so when when that initial reaction to Heartstopper appeared, mostly when the TV show came out, to be honest, I was like, oh, you know, people think it's so pure and happy and yet it's got bullying in it it's got homophobia in it it's got an abusive relationship in it um Mm. later in the story it focuses very heavily on mental health charlie has an eating disorder there are so many aspects in heartstopper that aren't happy and pure Mm -hmm. and lovely it's interesting i it just surprised me i guess the strength of that reaction compared to how I was seeing the story. Yeah, and I wonder if it's because we still live in a time where two people being in a same-sex relationship is is a story in and of itself, mm. you know, which it shouldn't be, mm. you know, and therefore perhaps people on first inspection looked at that, made assumptions about what they look like, which is you know, really, really sad stories often, mm-hmm. because that was so different. That was really refreshing. And maybe then that was sort of why they stopped there, because it was already refreshing as that. What's amazing about storytelling, isn't it, is that if you want to talk about difficult stuff, you pull people in with something that's a bit nicer sometimes. And in a weird way, you can actually provoke difficult conversations in a by pulling someone in with this incredible love story. I think at the time Heartstopper came out, it it was unusual and definitely mm-hmm. less common to be a queer story that had such a hopeful, happy uh, tone overall. Um, definitely now and in the past few years, there's been so many more stories like Heartstopper coming into prominence. But I guess 
pre Heartstopper, it was a very different landscape of queer media. So when was that? Let remind me what was that? You know, the first day you started sort of got your pencil out and started drawing. <laughs> that was 2016 is when I started making it. Yeah. And and did you feel like there was any sort of transgression in that moment or you just were like, I'm going to draw this? Yeah, I, it was really just a project for me, to be honest. It was just a side project, something that I wanted to do for fun. I didn't have any particular agenda. Mm -hmm. I was reading a lot of web comics where there were a lot of queer stories available because that was a more sort of indie space. So it, yeah, it was just something that I I wanted to do for for myself really. And when you get to you know the giddy heights of now and Volume Five and fan base and all of that, how did you pick? the areas you know I don't want to do any spoilers but like the areas that are covered in volume five like did you always know you were headed there you always feel like someone with a plan <laughs> I think broadly yes I've always had certain topics that I wanted to explore in Heartstopper and I hoped that we would get to that point I wouldn't get tired and <laughs> give up uh, before there but um, <laughs> yeah so volume five explores a few things Firstly, we're sort of continuing the story of Charlie's mental health journey, particularly now that he's sort of out of the worst of it. Mm -hmm. In volume four was really the worst time for him. But now he's made a lot of progress and his confidence is looking up, but he's still dealing with some hard stuff. So that's still going on in volume five. But also Nick and Charlie are getting older and... They want to take their relationship to the next level. They are thinking about sex more because mm. they've been together for a while and they haven't taken that step yet. So in volume five, the story really looks at their feelings about that, how the society around them is kind of the messages that they're getting about that and, you know, everything to do with that. Yeah. And how tough that part is mm. for people right you know I, I really loved the the fear of Charlie has of taking his top off mm. and you know and I don't know like I don't think that's changed even one percent since even I was their age mm. you know mm -hmm. I, I think that's always going to be built in isn't it mm. and it's so nice to see it discussed and actually the topics the conversations they have around sex is is really interesting Forgive me who if I get this wrong, but is it Charlie who says, like, if it's touching, for example, like, is it still sex and stuff? And and people defining what their version of sex, which I think for queer people is really important. And we receive really dodgy education on that, if any at all. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to see that being discussed. You have to have many more conversations about what you want beforehand. Mm. It was fantastic. And it, it, was it something that you were like, I really want to discuss? Absolutely. Yeah, that rings so true with why I wanted it to be such a big topic in volume five. I think in a lot of teen media, sex is sometimes just something that happens off screen, no discussion. You don't mm. really know what's going on or how they're feeling about it. But in Heartstopper, I wanted it to focus on the emotion of it because I could have gone down a more educational route in the style of something like sex education as in the tv show mm. but mm. i wanted it to be focused on the emotional mental side of 
taking that step and how does it feel to be intimate in some with someone in that way for the first time and yeah. nerves and the the fear that can surround that when you are that age what was particularly magic about it is that it is a voyage of discovery for two people you know together mm -hmm. if that's what you're into you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it often feels like you're out there alone actually sort of doing a test mm -hmm. when you're in early sexual encounters is it nick who says there's so many things i want to try with you or something mm -hmm. and it feels like they just went exploring together and that's yeah. it, it's amazing because that's what actually it should be like but it's not unfortunately yeah that's such a big part of how i write nick and charlie's relationship no matter what is going on they always have that communication with each other that openness and through being open and actually saying these things out loud Mm. means that they can take those steps together and not feel so much anxiety or embarrassment or mm. other things that people might feel. And that is what something that is so unique about those two. And where did that come from in you? How did you decide to do that? I think it's just what I like to read, to be honest. In any kind of story, whether it's romance or not, I, I love just characters finding that one person who you can truly open up to say anything and that person will still love you mm -hmm. i just love those kinds of relationships where you can be totally honest and say how you're feeling nick and charlie are kind of the epitome of that small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The other sort of big thing I noticed being discussed, you know, Tori sort of speaking about being asexual for mm -hmm. the first time and stuff. The thing that I, I do also feel very responsible for when on this podcast is like our aromantic asexual representation is tragically bad already. And and I know that there's people, one, listening who who are and want to hear themselves reflected back at themselves. And that's really important and what's so important about your work, but also people who don't have the words for what they are and i think that's really important to remember because everyone it's a journey but you can be very lucky to sort of know what you are and actually lots of people who write into this podcast say i didn't know what i was mm. but then i just started listening and it became clear i know you talked about that it was going to happen in volume five mm. right mm -hmm. but what made you want to do it now and and how did you want to talk about it so it's been a long journey of figuring out how I was going to do that 
because when I first wrote Tori in Solitaire, my first book, way mm. back in, that book came out in 2014, so a long time ago, I had no idea what asexuality was. And it's only as time has gone on and I've realised, obviously myself, I'm asexual, I've that's when I started to see that Tori was also asexual and I had been channeling that part of myself in her when I wrote Solitaire, but just mm. had no idea at the time. Mm. And I've spoken a lot just on social media about how I think she is asexual and there's a lot of asexual coding of her in Solitaire, but it's never been a confirmed canonical fact until volume five. And it, it was tricky to do. I will say it was really difficult to figure out how I was going to show that because Heartstopper is so, the, the comics at least, are very entrenched in Nick and Charlie's point of view. There's really mm -hmm. not a lot of space for the other characters because there's just not a lot of space in a graphic novel, <laughs> full stop. So it, is, it isn't a huge aspect of the book. And honestly, I am looking forward to doing it in the TV show in a bigger way because I'll have mm. more time and space to do so. But in the comic, it is just kind of, a little storyline that's going on in the background which culminates in a big scene towards the end. I'm just so happy that she just says who she is and she uses that word. And I think it's really important to put that in something like Heartstopper, which I know is being read by hundreds of thousands of people when, as you said, you know, asexual representation is so rare still. Mm. And the only way to change that is to see it in popular media mm -hmm. so that's that's what i tried to do and it's had a great reaction right yeah it definitely has i think particularly for the people who who knew already you've seen me discussing it before it's like a finally <laughs> moment yes and by being someone who is you know so kind of visible and in the public eye and being asexual and a romantic, would you define yourself as both? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've found more people who you're like, oh, great, there's more people I can talk to about it, or is it still feeling underserved? Definitely still feels underserved to me. I do hear from a lot of people that my stories have helped them figure out that they're on the ace or arrow spectrums, and that is really amazing to hear because I know for a fact that so many people who are ace or arrow just have no idea that they are because they don't know what it is, and they're probably going through life thinking that something is wrong with them, but they can't quite identify what it is. I've definitely made some connections through being a, a kind of public figure. It feels weird to refer to myself as that because I I don't really see myself as some like someone who's an activist or someone who's doing a lot of work for specifically for the ace and arrow community i've made some connections but it still feels like a very small community i guess mm -hmm. mostly i think because most people just don't know what it is and so a lot of people who are ace or arrow don't even know that they are but yeah hopefully things will improve yeah, and I think conversations like this will help them, yeah. you know. And how, you know, when you say lots of people don't know how they are, when you when you hear from people, and I'm thinking about this in context of someone listening who might be questioning and or not even there yet, like how do people start to realise 
And what are the signposts? That is a very difficult question. This is the difficult thing with figuring out that your ace or arrow, you're not identifying an attraction to mm. someone. You're trying to definitively say that you're not attracted to anyone, essentially. And that is really difficult because you find yourself thinking, what if? What What if mm -hmm. I meet someone one day and I feel differently? What if I only feel this way because of this or that? It is really, really difficult. And I think mm. the, the only person who can really say for sure is yourself. And I think trying to bear in mind as well that the labels are, are there to help. Mm. Then if they're not helpful, then you don't have to use them. But I think definitely reading more about different ace and arrow people is really helpful, following them online, reading about their experiences, because people's experiences of being ace and arrow vary so widely. Mm. When I was first figuring that out about myself, I sought out a lot of fiction that had ace and arrow characters. And I'd often find myself reading and thinking, well, I don't identify with that. I don't relate to that character. And it's because it, the, the experiences just vary so widely. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult. <laughs> it really yes. is. I hear you on all of that as you're saying it. I wonder if there was anything that someone said to you that was really helpful or if there's anything you could say to your younger self at that point that would be helpful. Big question. Difficult question. I mean, I don't know what <laughs> what would have been helpful to say, really. Just, you know, I would have wondered, I would have encouraged myself just to question, you know, you, you don't have any celebrity crushes at all, which mm. is unusual. But I, it was something I never even thought about at the time. Mm. And like, in, I, I often think about solitaire because solitaire is so asexual coded. And I had no idea at the time. But looking back, I specifically wrote the relationship between the two main characters, who is Tori from Heartstopper, mm. that many of you know from Heartstopper, and a boy called Michael. Mm. And they have this very sort of undefinable friendship slash almost romance. And in the book, Tori sort of goes out of her way to explain that she's not, she doesn't find him hot, not like attracted to him in that way. And I remember writing it and thinking like, I don't want Tori to find him really hot. That's like so cliche and I, I don't like romances like that. But going back, I would ask myself, like, really think about why you're writing them that way. It's tricky. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, what it what it makes me think of when I'm listening to you there is like you mentioned earlier about you really got to find your own way in it. It's very person specific. And also like there's not enough representation out there and all of that. Sometimes I think historically, and this isn't right or wrong, but I think people have jumped on being labels like gay and not been encouraged to perhaps be a bit more granular about your version mm. and then kind of later realise that maybe that's not quite what that defines you. Yeah. But by which point it's a bit late because you've told your grandma. <laughs> it is all just very specific, isn't it? Mm. But everything you've said there, I mean, it's I just think really refreshing to hear. I think people feel like they're, it, it goes back to the Charlie and Nick thing. Like you feel like you're supposed to know and have answers and you don't, uh, you know, and you just learn as you go. And, and actually the more different representation you can see of any little detail of people, it's better for everyone because everyone has their own version, right? Totally, yeah. And so 
Is it true? He says, knowing <laughs> it is true, that Heartstopper will end with the next next book. It will. Volume six will be the final Heartstopper book. And are you somebody who's gonna like go? I will never go back there. Or <laughs> will there be an announcement in ten years' time of this? <gasps> volume seven. I've written it. <laughs> um. I mean, I think when Heartstopper's finished. It's not like I'm never going to draw Nick and Charlie again. I think I'm probably mm-hmm. going to be drawing Nick and Charlie until I die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like. I really am planning for the main story of Heartstopper to be complete with Volume 6. I, I'm mm-hmm. ready for it to end. I don't like it when stories are dragged on forever and ever for no reason. Who knows what will happen in the future? Maybe 10 years down the line, I'll want to do a new little story about some characters from yeah. Heartstopper. Who knows who that will be? But very much the plan for now is is that I want the main story of Heartstopper to end. It's going to be really sad. <laughs> Not the story, me. I will be really sad. <laughs> the story will have a happy ending, as I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, yes. But uh, yes, it's it's. I'm ready. I'm I'm very ready for it to end. I mean, you've done so much already. But what do you feel is your next big challenge? Like the next mountain you want to climb? Post Heartstopper, or yeah, yeah. I really don't know. I don't have any particular plans of what I'm going to make after Heartstopper. I'm just really looking forward to having the freedom to do what I want, essentially to make what I want. I'm very interested in writing something about adults because <laughs> I've been writing <laughs> about teenagers for my entire career and I am ready to write something about people my age. I can't wait for that. Um, and I, I would love to do more TV writing. I've really loved writing the TV show for Heartstopper and I would love to do something original or maybe adapt someone else's book I feel like that could be really fun so yeah we'll see you know you have this fan base and you have this world and these characters and it's very rare and actually I feel like in the way that you speak about it you sort of realize that you've created like a little universe that people can pop up and move around and and do you think that's the secret or is it like you'd go and do like a Pixar animated movie you know something like completely different who knows <laughs> I really don't have a straightforward answer to that I'm sure you know there will be something more with Heartstopper that I'll want to do eventually I just love these characters so much and I love the story but there is something so freeing about a completely new creative project that has no mm-hmm. connection to Heartstopper so I'm really excited for that as well, just to start from nothing. I haven't done that in a very long time. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, listen, we cannot wait to see what you do next. And do come and talk to us about it when you do. I will. And let's have a, like a let's have like a group Homo sapiens Zoom cry in when we <laughs> do <laughs> volume six. Yeah, sounds good. And I could, it could be you and like 800 tiles of people crying because they've just finished reading. <gasps> a read along. Have you ever done one of those? I haven't actually. That would be fun. 
all that remains to say, listeners, as I sit here, is get in touch, stay connected at Homo Sapiens on Instagram, TikTok, look it up, don't know, hello at homosapienspodcast.com on email. Uh, thank you for all being amazing. This has been wonderful. And thanks again to you, Alice. All my love to everybody. Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.